Hello, and welcome to Forget the Numbers, the student accounting show. The occasionally educational podcast that proves you're not totally alone in your ACCA journey, even when it feels like it. Hi, I'm Etty, LearnSignal's Head of Content Marketing. And I'm Alan, the Head of Education for LearnSignal. And in this week's podcast, we are going to talk about uh, how, how your exams are marked and should you appeal if your results on Monday aren't what you're expecting. Uh, if we do end up talking about anything useful, we'll put it up on our website at learnsignal.com forward slash podcast uh, and send us your questions because the week after results, we'll put out a podcast on your results, uh, looking at any questions you've got, whether your results were what you expected, if you need help on certain areas. Um, so you can send those to us through our website at the bottom or on Twitter if Facebook, um, anywhere you find us, really, send us your questions uh, and we'll talk about them. So should you appeal? Ooh, big question. <laughs> should you? Well, hopefully, uh, the first point would be hopefully you won't need to appeal because you've all passed. Um, but for the people that might not have passed, should you appeal? Uh, the, the appeal is, the be- is a big question. And, and I guess there's always the hope that when you pass an exam, it wasn't your fault and that it was actually somebody else's fault um, or that there's something that somebody, now when I say fault, that somebody made a mistake or they added up your numbers wrong. Um, I think, first of all, it's probably worthwhile talking through how your exams are marked in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I'll just talk pretty in general. So if people from the ACCA are listening to me, as I'm sure they are, because they probably follow this podcast too, Um Maybe the numbers aren't quite correct, but this is just really to give you an indication um, of what they are. Um, So what happens after your exam is done? Mm -hmm. So you've done your exam and it's been put in the envelope and sent to the examiners or your CBE, which is just sent directly. Um, What happens then in your exam is that they are looked at. um, So a small portion of your exam papers are taken. So sample amount. Mm-hmm. And this sample amount then goes to the examining team and they look at the questions that they were expecting and the, the solutions that they were expecting and comparing to the solutions that they already had written to give to examiners for marking. And they might find different things. So they might find so for certain questions, students have interpreted the English a certain way and the examiners go, oh, we can see why it's been interpreted that way. So they'll add that on as a possible solution that the examiner should give marks for. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they see a trend, the students are approaching things in a certain way, but it's still correct, they'll do that. So what they want to make sure is in that sample size that all of the possible solutions that students could give um, that are valid for marks to be provided to you are covered. So the examiner or the person who's actually marking your exam paper um, knows exactly all of the options that they can give you marks for. Mm-hmm. And I think as a, as a first step, that's really good. So it's not really taken out. Um, it's not really an individual examiner deciding on your behalf. You are being treated very consistently versus all of the other students doing the same exam worldwide at the same time. Well, and before the exams as well, you look at how the the amount of effort that goes into writing them, you're not even likely to get to that stage that there's, uh, you know, a certain question that you, the English is ambiguous or whatever it is. That, yeah, that, that's not really a thing that happens because there's this multi-stage process with an examiner and an assessor and a subject coordinator and then an exam sitter who is someone that sits the paper, you know, before you do mm-hmm. um, and then checks that 
the paper does work in the time available, but also checks if there's any ambiguous questions or problem questions or areas that maybe don't make as much sense as they could. So, I mean, it's gone through multiple, multiple layers of people looking at this and sitting this and different people. So it's not biased. It's not just one one examiner that maybe thinks a certain way. It's all these different people checking that everyone the world over is going to have a consistent exam experience. Yeah. And I think when I heard about the ACCA way of not just writing their exams, but also marking their exams from a fairness level to students. And when I was a student, I mightn't have taught this way, but as a fairness level to students, I think um, they're being, you're being treated very, very fairly and um, given. And you have to remember that the ACCA are doing this to try and give you every opportunity to pass. Mm -hmm. They are not trying to find reasons to fail people. They are genuinely trying to give you every opportunity to pass your exam. And that's why this amount of rigour has actually been gone through. And that's why every opportunity. So when you see the ACCA solutions put on their website after an exam sitting and students look at them and think, oh, look, they're so long. It's because every possible solution that they basically gave marks for in the marking process has been covered in that solution. Mm -hmm. But they're never expecting a student to be able to answer as per the solution they have issued. And I think that's a little bit difficulty. So I think the starting point of you getting to your exam hall um, and the work that's done before any marker has touched your paper um, mm -hmm. is pretty good. And in fairness, they, it does even get, if you want to call it better, or the process gets stronger from there. Um, so what happens is that every examiner then is given a selection of papers um, and they're all done online. So I think that all your papers are scanned in if they're handwritten. So they're all done online and it is a examining teams and an examining team has a supervisor and the supervisor is looking at the results coming in from their examining team and making sure that they're fair and consistent. They're checking that one examiner marking who gave four marks for a section and another marker who gave six marks for a section that they were very fairly marked. Mm -hmm. And they also have what's called seated papers and people who are doing their CBE exams will be familiar with seated questions. And the seated papers are papers that are inserted into the marking the marking papers for the examiner um, that they think they're seeing for the first time but it's actually a paper that's already been marked by the examining team so let's imagine the examining team mark a paper and they give a 58 so they insert this paper into an examiner's um, number of exam papers and they want to make sure that the, the mark that the, this examiner is giving given is the same mark as the examining team would have given. Mm -hmm. And that's a way of making sure it's consistent. So let's say they gave a 57, 58, 59 for a, for a paper that the examining team gave a 58 for. Well, that also builds confidence that all the other papers are being marked consistently. Because remember, that examiner does not know that this paper has been seated. They, they know that one of them are, but it's one of 100. They'd never guess which one because there's no indication. So all of those checks are done. All those checks and balances are done. Like true accountants, it's a really strong process. Yeah, I was about to say that, this, this idea of process, that um, one thing you will hear us say really often about later exams, um, particularly strategic professional exams, is that there's no right and wrong, black and white answer. Um, it really is you know, much more about your opinion and your professional judgment but that certainly isn't to say that then the person marking it it's about opinion and they can decide whether they agree with you 
um, yeah, there's this really strict, rigorous process to make sure that it's, uh, you know, as clear and objective as possible, even though you're not writing a black and white answer. Um, this, this strong process makes sure that that doesn't matter, that isn't reflected in the exam results. There's no element of opinion about this, like you're... Uh, your results are your results. It's not one person's judgment in the, who might be having a bad day or whatever it is. Um, that that isn't the case. No, all those risks are taken taken out of the process as much as possibly mm-hmm. can, um, and it really does stick out. So, if a marker was to give, um, I don't know, unusually high marks or unusually low marks, as you said, somebody having a bad day and they just go, "Oh, that's rubbish, that's rubbish," and give really low marks. Um, this, that trend also comes out because that marker has a supervisor. They're able to see the differences between different markers and you'd expect trends to be similar. If one marker is passing 40% of the papers or five of them are passing 40% of the papers, you'd imagine everybody in the group should be. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think certainly there, there should be some level of um, of happiness from a student perspective that they're being treated fairly but there is another and and i'm sure from a quality control from the acca i'm missing many of the steps that would are also benefiting you but i think i think they use i I read on the acca site there's nine different independent checks during the marketing process so i mean we we're not going into all of those nine um because no don't know them all and i'm sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i mean it's the fact that they are there yeah you can trust that that process is being gone through for every single paper and uh, exactly. so it's very unlikely that mistakes would slip through yeah and i think the last big check that happens um is f- it is for those unfortunate students who do say i got 48 49 um so i think the range is from any paper that gets between 48 and 52 they're all in the pet they're all individually rechecked by somebody different again. So if you got 49, if your original marker or examiner gave you 49%, um, somebody else looks at that again from scratch before mm-hmm. it gets that result gets to you. So if there was an extra mark in there um that you you could have had well and i think those those are the people that are most likely to be asking this question of should i appeal i mean i assume that your uh listeners aren't sitting there thinking oh i might appeal if you got you know 23 um if you are don't do that don't appeal at 23 just go back and learn better um but if you're you know 47 or 48 or 49 yeah this this really does show there's this extra level of scrutiny on your script yeah, and and nobody is trying to say that every process is perfect. Nobody is trying to say that there won't be a mistake in there. One hundred is it one hundred percent certain to catch absolutely everything? I'm not too sure anybody would ever say any process is one hundred percent certain. Um, but what I would say is that you would want to be really sure that you have a a good reason why you should appeal and we're not appe- we're not talking about you getting in touch with the ACCA that these are personal issues or something went wrong in the exam hall or you had disturbance in the exam hall or the computer didn't work properly this is nothing about that this is about all of you students who feel who got exactly what you should have got on the day you got the right surroundings the expected surroundings and you got the proper time and your exam from a process perspective went as expected and you still don't feel you have your marks. And I have sat with many students in the past 
who think, oh, I got more than that. You've been very unfair. And I've taken an exam paper and gone through with them and they went, oh, I didn't remember doing that. I didn't remember writing it like that. Because it is a case that coming out of exams, students will naturally have a different impression of what they did. And I think that's mm-hmm. any, even if you go into a job interview, um, I think most of the job interviews I've been successful with are the ones that I've come out thinking, I don't think that went very well. And the ones that I've thought were amazing, they come back and say, sorry, we're not interested. <laughs> so it, yeah. it, it is, you do get kind of feelings of coming out with something, but often the impression that you leave with or the impression that you have or the memory that you have is very focused from your perspective. Well, and that is something you get, um, you know, some students, in fact, probably a lot of students, which is, to be honest, the wrong attitude. They have these rose-tinted glasses about their performance and think it wasn't me. And there's there's almost this anger. And then you get this, you know, some students would say, oh, the ACCA doesn't want people to pass. They want it to be difficult. So they get more you know, money in exam fees or they have a target pass mark and they already hit it by the time they got to me. And so, of course, they weren't looking for me to pass. You know, that that isn't the case. They don't have a target pass mark. They want everyone to pass. It's in the ACCA's very, very best interest that the more students as possible pass the exams first time because it builds their you know global reputation with employers. Um, and so if you're sitting out of the exam and looking for someone to blame, that emotion isn't the right driver to go and appeal your mark because um, usually it, it might sound harsh, but the person to blame is normally you. So, um, you know, and that's something you can work with and it's not a nice feeling, but you can study differently and learn differently and kind of trying to tap into that emotion of what can I do differently? How can I do better? And being able to honestly assess maybe where you went wrong is a much more, in, in almost every case, it's a much more beneficial way to spend your energy than wanting to appeal and reappeal and you know being frustrated that you think the ACCA haven't treated you fairly because they almost certainly have yeah and I think I think you said two things I think they want people to pass but they also want to make the exams hard yeah and and I think those two can don't have to be separate goals I think the goal of making the exams hard and wanting people to pass um can live in the same um, ecosystem, if you want to call it that, and can be achieved. Um, but the expectations there and the student. And I think mm-hmm. there's two types of students, to be quite honest, who react to failing exams. And you can compare them to people who go bankrupt. And you have the one person that goes bankrupt in their first business because it didn't work out well. And they they spend the rest of their lives complaining about how all of these factors or all of these people went caused them to go bankrupt. Or there's a second person who goes bankrupt and they sit back and they say, okay, what went wrong? I'm going to try this again, but I've learned something. So I'm going to do it differently. And maybe that's the time they become successful. Or sometimes it's the third and fourth time they become successful. Mm-hmm. But every time something goes wrong, you could, if you blame others, you're never going to learn. But if you accept the fact that, okay, what can I do differently? And what can I improve for the next time? You will be successful and you will learn something from it. Yeah. Um, and I think that has to be the, the, the takeaway from today's conversation is to kind of 
be an adult effectively stand up and take responsibility and say no i i have okay it hasn't been great i thought i did better but i clearly didn't something needs to change for me to be more successful in the future and you know what failing one acca exam if that's the worst thing that ever happened to you and you learn massively from it and benefit for the rest of your career it's a cheap life lesson believe me (laughs) (laughs) because there will be harder life lessons than failing an acca exam ahead of you yeah and i think if you can if you can embrace it as positively as possible. I'm not saying have a day of mourning, have two days of mourning, like feel bad for yourself, eat lots of ice cream, watch some movies, do whatever it is you do to 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 kind of recover from a little bit of a setback, but then get up and get going again and, and do everything you can not to let it happen again. Mm-hmm. But if you harbour this feeling that it has to be somebody else's fault, the chances are you'll do worse than the next time. And, and that is a life lesson. That's not just for ACCA Um Things go wrong all of the time and it's about how you react. And in fact, when things go wrong, when you're in, in the workplace, people know things go wrong and they accept that things go wrong. And the blame isn't about who go, what things go wrong. But you know what people are looking for? They're looking at about how you stand up and take responsibility and fix things and make sure it never happens again. And that's the qualities that people are looking for. They are not looking for the people who never get anything wrong, because if you're not getting anything wrong, you're not trying hard enough to be different and you're not trying hard enough at your job, because if you try hard enough, you will make mistakes. And if you listen to all our previous podcasts, I'm sure you can spot lots of our mistakes, but that's, <laughs> but, uh, but hey, that's not good. Okay. Lots of my mistakes, <laughs> but, but that's not going to put us off. Keep doing this because this is something that we believe in and we believe is helpful to you guys. And if you take that approach, um, you will be more ex- successful in your exams and in your life. So it is that that link to life. I think is really important. That what you were saying about, um, yeah, the ACCA is difficult, and they want you to pass those things to existing simultaneously. It's because if lots of students have the attitude that these are ACCA exams in inverted commas, and that's all they are, and it's some sort of barrier, you get through your exams, and then your career starts, and it's not, you know, they're not a separate thing from your career. It's about making you the ACCA care about you being a good accountant um, and being the best you can be, and that's why they're difficult, and also why they want you to pass because they want to breed good people that can go into business and add value and so this this link to life you know it, you are learning to be the professional you're going to be and the you know add value strategically and also how you adapt to things like failure um so having that attitude i think is really really important you know i think it's the ideal attitude to have and i think it's really it really is important to do that and i think so Back to our original question before we end this as being um, a lifelong. <laughs> yes, sorry, um, I'm detouring here. <laughs> yeah. So back to, but it is, it is valid. But I think back to our original question is, should we, should you appeal? We're not saying don't appeal. But I think what we are concluding on, and I'll speak for Etty and she can then tell me that I'm wrong if I am. But I, th- <laughs> I think, I think where, the, where we end up on is that if you appeal, the chances are it won't change. I think it will delay things. It might give you false hope. Um, we're not saying that no appeals are never successful. I don't know the statistics. I, 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 I'm not pretending to know them. Um, I have been in a lot of appeals in different walks of life and different organizations. And most of the times the appeals are unsuccessful because the processes are pretty good. It would have to be something quite significant and you'd have to be quite sure of yourself. I think if you were appealing, 
it's a shot in the dark and I don't think you sit back and you wait for the appeal to happen before you decide what to go on with. I think you have to appeal but also accept the fact that the appeal is likely to be unsuccessful and you should continue on like you're doing the exam. So appeal by all means, but don't sit back expecting that it's definitely going to be a positive result. You still have to kind of move on and say, okay, I really believe. And sometimes doing that appeal is because you really believe something and you won't, you you won't be able to shrug it off unless you actually go through that process. And that is fine. Um, but I also think you have to be very open-minded and accepting the fact that it's most likely not going to be successful um, based on the processes. And, and as Eddie said, the nine different ways of, of checking your scripts. And we haven't even covered all of them. We've just covered some of the, the major ones. Um, so I, I think it's really a case of sucking it up, learning from it mm-hmm. and moving on as best as you can. And maybe... I know it's a hard thing to do, but sometimes this adversity may be the best thing that ever happened to you. You won't yeah. see that now, but you will maybe <laughs> in the future. Maybe in the future, that little bit of learning will be will be really, really the making of you in your exams and maybe in your future career. Yeah, you can credit it to Alan and Eddie. This podcast, yeah, yeah. It's, exactly. it's the turning point, guys. <laughs> it is a turning point in your career. So I think we've probably told you enough about how to react. Um, you guys are all adults, so you choose to react any, any way you want. That's fine with us. Um, but we hope you react positively. We do hope that you all passed. Yeah, Everybody I was going to say, hopefully this is irrelevant and that we don't, yeah. the best possible thing is this podcast has very few views because no one needed to view it because you all passed. Um, yeah. But that might not be the case. And if you haven't, go ahead and, and if that's what you feel, go ahead and appeal. But at the same time, um, put your head down move on, learn from this. And I think it could be, um, and you, there's nothing to say you won't be successful on every other ACC exam that you do just because you struggled in one. Yeah. And tell us your results. The um, questions, a push, another push for questions. Um, Cause next week's podcast after your results, we will do on your questions. So whatever your results were, hopefully um, positive, uh, let us know and we'll talk about it. Okay, so we will talk to you all next week and hopefully you're listening to us all and we're giving you all lots of good news. And we will be we will give good news next week if we get it as well as the, the people who are asking for help and what to do if they haven't got a great result. So listen now for both. It's not all about bad news when you get it when you get exam results. <laughs> yeah, speak to you next week and good luck for Monday. Good luck everybody. Bye. Bye bye.